at Bethesda, where the sick and the infirm are waiting for the stirring of the waters. John chapter 5, verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. This story just had a lot of fun stuff and it twists and turns and we've got a couple more uh, messages on it before we get to our fixing us. And today, the tipping point message, I don't know if you've heard of that phrase or of uh, in 2006, Malcolm Gladwell. Have you heard of Malcolm? He's written a lot of books like uh, David and Goliath, Blink, The Outliers, and Tipping Point. It was his first book in 2006 and it is considered one of the 100 most influential books of the 21st century. It's like number 93 on the list. It's a really good book. But I'm going to sum up what tipping point is for you this morning. A tipping point is a point where an idea becomes accepted and mainstream in the public rather than a trend or a phenomenon, something obscure. For it to do this, it has to hit what's called critical mass which is about 4% acceptance. The threshold, or the boiling point, that's what Malcolm says the tipping point must hit. We have a tipping point in each of us that happens when we change what we believe. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you remember the movie Field of Dreams? Anybody seen that one? Kevin Costner? Um, and uh, the voice of the New Testament and God... It's a powerful story, and there's a tipping point, and you may remember it. When a little girl is choking on a hot dog, and the doctor who's on the field as a young player makes a decision to cross over and become the doctor he is. And while this is going on, the farm is in foreclosure where this field is. The owner of the field won't sell the farm, to recoup the money, and his brother, who's the banker, says, you've got to sell, you've got to sell. Look, you're having your kid deluded with dreams of grandeur, staring at nothing all day, and then she falls, chokes on the hot dog, and he says, we got to call an ambulance, and, and he says, wait. And he looks over at Doc on the field, and Doc steps over the line, becomes a doctor, walks over and saves a girl's life. At that moment, the brother who's been saying sell this field changes his tune. You can't sell this farm. Whatever you do, don't sell it. And where did all these people come from? 
You see, that's a tipping point when something makes everything change. I love that movie, by the way. It's such a good movie. And that is my favorite scene besides playing catch with his dad. In this story, we have what could be seen as a possible tipping point. Man laying infirm, unable to walk for 38 years. You know, he's got to be thinking about the day when maybe God will heal him and he'll be able to walk. Well, here comes Jesus and he heals him. He says, pick up your bed and walk. And he does. He's whole. He's healed. Now, you'd think that would be his defining moment of his life. That everything else after that has changed. <laughs> and that his tipping point for him with Jesus is he's holy. He's God. I believe in him. This, this man has changed my life. I'm so thankful. But we see it isn't his tipping point. He doesn't change at all. Just because God does something in your life that you needed done and only God could do it doesn't mean you become grateful. Doesn't mean you continually thank God and receive Him as real and the Lord of your life for the rest of your life. So when does this tipping point occur in our relationship with God? When do we forsake all others for our first love and the lover of our souls? When do we hit in ourselves critical mass that we believe and accept that is true and not a phenomenon or an idea that time hasn't come? In this story, this could have been a turning point for this man. No question in my mind, it could have been a turning point. Why does he remain unwilling to be grateful? What's this man's story? What's going on here? In verse 11, the last verse I read, when they ask who made you whole, he says, the man, and why are you walking? He says, the man who made me well told me to take up my bed and walk. Listen to what the man says. It's not my fault I'm breaking the Sabbath. It's another person's fault. You heard him say that before? Nobody had helped me in the water. Now, nobody, another person told me to walk and I'm doing it. And so now they want to find out who the rule breaker is. Since this man, according to himself, is innocent to breaking the law because he just did what somebody else told him. Um, the only time that logic works is when you're trying to get out of trouble. Otherwise, we say this, you can't tell me what to do. That's a teenager's way of thinking. You can't tell me what to do. Well, even an eighth grader for that matter, or even eight year well, heck, probably three-year-olds. You can't tell me what to do. No. But here this man saying, he told me and I did it. It's his fault. I believe the man had a choice. Because he no longer relied on anybody to carry him or make him walk or get him to places. That he had a choice. 
And he chose at that moment to blame somebody else for his choices, for his life and what he's doing. He's still doing it. He didn't hit tipping point. I don't know why. I wish the story would give us clues as to why. And Jesus gives us a big one we'll talk about in uh, another message. But it doesn't conclusively tell us why. If you look in John chapter 9, there's another healing. A man born blind. Do you remember that story? Such a powerful story. I, I, I tell you, it's one of the greatest stories, in, in, in that, even greater, I think, than the raising of Lazarus for a couple reasons. But the man is healed. The blind man, right? And similar to this man... He goes and washes in a slowum and he hasn't yet seen Jesus. He doesn't really know who healed him. And so, when he goes to the temple, they ask him who did this and why. And he said, well, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. And, 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 and the guys, they said, it's a rule breaker. He's healing on the Sabbath. Similar story, right? Told you to walk on the Sabbath. Told you to be healed on the Sabbath. This rule breaker, who is it? The man said, I don't know. I don't know. But this man is from God. And that's what he says. And they argue with this man back and forth till they excommunicate him from the temple. And you would think that all he wanted to do was be in the temple and do what they said and please the temple leaders. But when they excommunicate the man, Jesus finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man says, who is he that I might believe? He says, you've seen him and it is he who's talking to you. And he worships Jesus, the man who's healed from his blindness. He leaves the temple, doesn't want to be a part of that. It doesn't cater to their wishes and whims. He wants what Jesus has. And so he worships him with a grateful heart. He gets it. He understands. He follows Jesus. This guy does not choose to follow Jesus. In our story in John 5, there's a change in the blind man. As a blind man becomes a man of sight and he sees who Jesus is. An infirm man who gets the ability to walk doesn't walk to follow Jesus. He walks to the temple to fit in. His tipping point never occurred. The blind man's did. And if you think about it, there's a lot of stories in Scripture that cover uh, healings and where people have gone through major changes and tipping points. And in Luke chapter 17, there are ten lepers begging from a distance. And Jesus is walking by and they yell out, all ten, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. Listen, go show yourself to the priests. This is instruction, right? On the way, they're healed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned around and came back to Jesus. Listen, he turned around instead of going to show himself to the priest to show he was healed so he could be back in society. He came back to Jesus and he fell down on his face and began to worship Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. 
And listen to what Jesus says to this man. Were there not ten cleansed? Ten. But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he looks at him and says, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Why didn't the man who's infirm give glory to God? Jump up and down like the man at the beautiful gate we talked about. Or thank Jesus for what he did for him. Why didn't he do that? This leper who was a Samaritan, not a part of the Jewish community, is doing what Jesus said, stops and comes back. Why didn't the man who got up and picked up his bed and walk, walk over to Jesus and say thank you? What's different here? And why is it that only one in ten came to give thanks? In the blind man and in the healing of the leper, both contain thankfulness and worship. Both have hit their tipping point and they come back to worship Jesus. But not this man. Why do you think that the blind man and one out of ten lepers do the worship but not the rest and not this man? Do you think they were entitled? Do you think maybe he was there and he thought he deserved to be healed? And therefore, there's no thanks offered because he's begging he deserves whatever anybody gives him. Maybe that's his mindset. It doesn't matter the reason why. And you have an answer also when Jesus comes to you as to whether or not you hit your tipping point. Let me tell you what happened. And I, I, I don't know about y'all, but when I study the scripture, I like to understand it the way it was said rather than the way it was translated. So in the story of the healing of the lepers, when Jesus is speaking to them and he says, where are the nine? He doesn't say... Where are they? Obviously, he knows where they are. So I said, what is he actually saying? And this is what he says. It's a double entendre. And it is, what place are they in? Now, place can be location, right? Or it could be, hey, I'm glad you're in church, but what place are you really in? Are you here? Are you there? Where's your mind? Where's your heart? What place are you in? And that's what Jesus was saying. What place are those other nine in? What kind of mindset? What are they thinking? This one in ten comes back. He's in the right place. He doesn't just mean that he's in the right place with Jesus. He means he's in the right place to say, Jesus said, go show myself to the priest. Where did the man go? He didn't go to the temple to the priest. Where did he go? Did he not go to a priest? Of course he did. He understood the place and prominence of Jesus Christ and went to him and said, this is my priest. This is the one. What changes when that happens but everything? And how do you get there?
What place are you in today? New Liberty. Yes, I understand. That is not what I'm asking. What place are you in? Have you hit your tipping point? Have you come from Jesus being a phenomena, a a relatively new or obscure thing, or a good idea, but not anything but a trend that you do when you're around other people who think the same way? Or has Jesus come to you that He truly is who He said He is? He is life. And you will never turn your back on Him because He's changed you and healed you and restored you. And you can't help but thank Him. I had an interesting insight someone said the other day and it just washed all over me and I want to share it with you. I asked them how they're doing and, and, and they said, Jesus is alive. I'm doing great. And I said, well, well, yeah, I know he's alive. And that's great. So then he said, that's not what I said. He said, Jesus is alive. And I know it. And because that's true, I'm great no matter what my circumstances say. He's made it past the tipping point to all in with his belief and his understanding and awareness of who Jesus is. And for us, sometimes we struggle with that. And we're not sure because, you know, if, if God didn't answer my prayer, am I in? And if He did, does that mean I'm in? You know, do you throw out tests like, God, forgive me, I'm throwing out a fleece. I just lost battery. That's okay. I can get closer. Do you throw out a fleece and say, God, if this is true, do this. If I really matter to you, do this. Do you really want to do that? Or do you want to trust that what God said through Jesus Christ, through His Word revealed, and His actions which have been same, consistent, never been failed, never lied, and trust that? What hits your tipping point so you accept that He is who He is and you don't question it or wonder anymore if He can heal you in all facets of your life and the world around you. If you question it, the tipping point is not quite there. But critical mass takes 4% of you to hit. You don't have to believe 100% everything Just 4% of what Jesus said about Himself is enough to get you to go the rest of the way. You see, the tipping point is when you go from a little bit to all of it. It becomes mainstream for you. And what is true for you when once it wasn't. I can't tell you why this man with an infirmity did not. It's not my challenge here today. Challenge is to ask you if you've been there, if you've tipped over, if you have, have you tipped all the way over? And if not, what's it going to take? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. There's so many ways you've moved and challenged us in this world. And, and one of the most difficult ones, Heavenly Father, is understanding that an unseen God 
can do seen things and change lives, heal, restore. And we don't have control over that. All we have control over is that we would invest who we are and all that we are in you, Lord. And when we do that, for some reason, everything changes. And every day is a great day because Jesus Christ is alive. And every day Jesus is alive and will be and is alive in us. And Lord, you can't have a day that you didn't know was coming a circumstance like that. Because you always knew. You're never surprised. So Heavenly Father, help us this morning to say, Lord, tip me over. Help me to get there. I need that. Because I don't want to walk in this life or in my life of faith without being completely surrendered and all in with you. Amen.